You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Megan Turner. beautiful human shows up. Um, no, pray for them. They're really excited. If you don't know, that's my husband. Um, they're really excited. I'm hoping that they come back and it won't be long before we're all planning a sign-up trip for us to go. And any of you guys that want to go and do that, it's a neat little opportunity. The, the, the guy that runs the fishing um, thing there, which is their main source of income on the island, is a Christian and he um, has been in contact talking with Luke and Dave and Ben and, and Dave, the guys that went. Um, he is a born-again Christian, but there is, not a, there is not a church at all there. And so there's 400 people. Someone came in and started teaching English. And so it's a really, they're really hungry. And so the guy's looking for some help to, to get the, the word out to the people of Ishkalak. So it's an exciting opportunity, and, and we're believing for big things. For that, um, it was interesting because this morning about 4.30 he was leaving, and he gave me a kiss to go, and he had his book bag, and I said, um, where's your luggage? He's like, this is it. And I was like, I knew I should have helped him pack. Like, <laughs> and I don't mean like a fancy travel bag, you know, that like has lots. Of, I mean like a genuine book bag is on his back. And he was like, what, what else could I need? I was like, I don't know. You're going to another country for multiple days. He's like, I've got these pants that I'm wearing. He's like, and I got some shorts and a t-shirt in the bag. And I said, you don't want any shower shoes? And he was like, shower? I just shower in these shoes. So He's like, I got my Bible and a hat and a pair of shorts, and that's all I need. So there we go. Um, I love to tell you stories, and I, I love to tell stories. I feel like I tell stories about, about Luke often, um, hopefully in a positive light. One lady came to me one time, and she said, I would really like for you to stop picking on Luke. And I was like, me? I was like, I feel like I talk so highly of him because I love him so much. Um, but the reason that I like to tell stories is because I feel like, and when I say stories, I mean like real stories, not like stories, like lies. Um, the reason that I, I like to tell stories is because I feel like it paints a picture that better helps you guys understand. You get a better picture when you hear it in story form. And so um, I, I tell you stories often uh, about Luke. And so I think that I think that through that you get to know someone better when you hear stories, which is why I think even Jesus told stories the way that he did. Um, and whenever I tell you stories or you hear stories about someone, then you better know their personality, their character, their traits, how they handle situations. For example, me and a friend of mine, two friends of mine, went last weekend, uh, Jen and I, right here on the front row, and a friend of ours that we recently reconnected with from high school, Celeste, went to get away. We had a girls, like, catch-up weekend. Um, it's been 20 years since we were in high school together. And, um, and so we go to this property down in, on Lake Murray in Columbia, and we're staying up late because we've, we're catching up. We have a lot to tell that's happened in 20 years. And we're sitting around visiting, and all of a sudden in the living room, like right in the front room, a four-legged creature with long tail joins the party. And so I immediately jump up on the couch, and I'm screaming, Celeste joins me on the couch, and she starts telling me that she has heard that mice eat people before, and they start at their toes. 
and work their way up. And so we're screaming on the couch. Jen jumps up and goes to the, the closet and grabs a broom and starts announcing very boldly, I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of them. And I was like, well, I am. I am scared of them. And so um, the, the mouse runs into the laundry room. So we think that we've got it barricaded in the laundry room. We go to Walmart for a late night trip for some mouse traps. We come back, and about 40 minutes later, there are 16 mouse traps set in the house, just in case, just in case. And, um, but we're pretty sure we've got him locked in the laundry room. We, like, stuff stuff underneath the door, the towels underneath the door. And um, so we, we stay up all night, wake up the next morning, and we are confident that we got this mouse. We go into the laundry room, and all eight mouse traps that were in the laundry room, all the food is, is, is eaten off of them, but there is, there's no mouse. Um, his, his fur is on the sticky pad as if he got on there, and then I was like, he is mightier than the pad. He is, he is mightier. And so then at that point, I'm like, well, the, the only thing left I know to do is I, I call Luke, and I'm like, babe, I think you're going to have to join the girls' trip because there, there is a mouse in here, and we can't, you know, we can't continue on. Like, what, what are we supposed to do? I can't get the mouse. And so Luke says, well, my girls, are, are they're mad because they have a weekend with just their dad. So they are like, there's not really a mouse. She's lying. She just wants you to leave us <laughs> and us not have a daddy-daughter weekend. She's, this is all a ploy. And I'm like, no, there really is. And so he said, well, when do you want me to come? I said, well, right now. I need you to come right now. So two hours and 17 minutes later, Luke shows up, and with this, yes, there, there were not one, there, there were two. Um, and so I, and he was really excited about it. I just, I, you can't tell on his face, but he's, he's excited. Um, but I, I say, I say, I tell you the story because then I can say to you, there's a certain part of his nature, of his character, of the way that he handles things that no matter what the circumstance, I know when he shows up because I know him, I know how he will be. I knew that he wasn't going to be upset. I knew for him that was no big deal. For him, the way that he loved me and we were scared, we had been looking forward to a girl's trip. He didn't want anything to rob that. That's no big deal because I know him. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about the importance of knowing the God of the Bible. Because when you know him, then you know in any circumstance when he shows up, you know his character, you know his principles, you know the way that he operates. And so there's a way that you can face things knowing who he is that's really different. Like the way that I face a mice is different when Luke's in the room. The way that you can face life is really different if you know who he is. Um, whenever you look in scripture, there's, um, there's a guy that I want to tell you about the way that he faced something. And, you know, the truth is we all face unknown stuff. The, the whole rest of your life is unknown. And so there's nothing that we can be certain of. You know, there's illnesses, jobs can be unknown, relationships are unknown, money is unknown, the economy is unknown, um, the security of your country is unknown, Everything is unknown, and so how do you look at all of that? How do I apply God to all of that? Where, where does God play in the role of me facing the unknown? And if you look at the way that Moses did that, now Moses is a guy who, um, a lot of the scripture is a, is a story about the Jewish people who were 
in captivity, being led out of captivity in the story of their life and how God redeemed that, those people. God used Moses to do that. Interesting fact about Moses is Moses was actually born to the king who was enslaving these people. He was actually born and his, the king's daughter found Moses. So Moses had the option to live as a prince of royalty, but he chose instead to go be a part of his people and eventually lead them out of slavery and out of captivity. So that is who Moses is. Moses is the story you hear in scripture about the guy that shows up at the Red Sea and it splits in two and they walk through it and then his enemies that are chasing them from behind are drowned in the water. That's Moses. So how does someone face the unknown like leading slaves out of captivity, like facing Pharaoh who would have him put to death, like the Red Sea? How does someone do that? And I want to read to you in scripture. I think it tells us really clearly how he does that. Hebrews eleven twenty three through 29 is what I'm going to read. And this is just a biography of Moses. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given him, them an unusual child. Don't we all feel this way? Like we all have a special child? Um, they had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command so that it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the sea as though they were on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. I want you to focus on one line in that verse when it's talking about Moses and all that he did. In verse 27, it ends that verse and it says, He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. So to me that says, I can keep on going, I can face the uncertainty, and I can face what is unknown because I keep my eyes on the one who is invisible, which is God. So what I said, when you know his character, when I know who he is, now, all of a sudden, what is uncertain can be certain. There are certain things that can be certain in my life. Um, I want to talk to you about how do you keep your eyes on the invisible? How do you keep your eyes on God? The first thing is you have to read his word. Um, what's so interesting is when you, read, when you read this, we started 21 days of prayer and fasting. And every 21 days, I start at the beginning and I start at Genesis. And it's kind of, sometimes I'm like, I know the story. I know the story of creation. I, but it's so precious how every time I start, God reveals something so precious to me about him. And so the more that I get in his word, the more that you read his words now, it's like I can tell you stories. So, for example, the other day I was, I was leaving to, to go pick up the girls from volleyball, and I pulled out, and Blakely's car was parked in the driveway, and Luke's car was parked in the driveway, and my car was coming out of the garage. Well, I didn't want to go. It was freezing, and it was raining, and I didn't want to go back in the house and get their keys, but there was only like a little space between their cars, and I was like, I think I can get through there. I couldn't fully get through there, but it was just a little scratch on the car. Um. So I pick up the girls, 
from volleyball, and I was like, y'all, I hit Blakely's car in the driveway on the way out. And, um, and so what was interesting to me is <clears throat> they immediately said, oh, Blakely's going to be so upset. I said, Blakely is not going to be upset. She's not going to care. That's my car Blakely's driving. That's not even her car. And they said, that's true. And they said, well, we know Daddy's not going to be upset. We know Daddy's not going to be upset. So this, this, when you have, they have lived it, they have experienced, it's different than me just telling them a story. You need to live this where you know how Daddy is going to, your father will respond to every situation. You, you, at some point, it has to go beyond just that you've heard stories or that you've heard someone get up here and speak. At some point, you need to open the word and start reading these stories, and I promise what will happen because here's what the thing is. I joke, and I can tell you stories about Luke and all that, but I'm talking about on a totally different level. I'm talking about God Almighty, that Scripture says this word is living and breathing, and when you dive in and you start reading it, the way that it will minister to you and the way that you begin to face uncertainty. So now, the way that you keep your eyes on the invisible one is you begin to read his word. And it starts to translate in your life. Then you start to take your life experiences and you begin to thank God for those life experiences. You begin to look at the way that God was apparent in your life in that moment. So... Now, I start to take things that I went through, and I begin to identify God. Hebrews 13.5 says this, he will never leave you or forsake you. And so we have to train our hearts. Otherwise, we are so focused, it's really easy to get into a victim mentality. But you have to learn to train your heart to look at. So now I look at all of my circumstances, and I say, well, I've been through this, and I've been through this, and I've been through this, and I really blew it here at this part of my life, and I've been through this, and it's really easy to just add up all of the blow, all of the blow-ups that have happened in your life. But now when I'm trying to keep my eyes on the invisible one so I can face unknown life and I can face uncertainty, now I look at all of those situations and I say, I didn't. I didn't make it through all of that on my own. I made it through all of that because who he is. And so now all of my, all of life's difficulties, all of those things become stepping stones that are leading me more close to, the, to who God is. So now I take his word and I take that and I keep my eyes on the invisible one. And when that begins to happen, the Bible says in that, then that you rejoice every morning and you give thanks every evening. It said that King David held him, said that he held him at the right hand all of his days and that he always set him before him. That God, what everything that I have in front of me, would you please, I want to set you before, I want to see you through the way I see everything else. Everything that feels uncertain. Everything that feels like it's unknown. Now I have this lens that I don't just see the world out there, but now I see it through you and through what you can do. And through who you, who you are. And now everything is completely different. And now when that happens, I want to talk to you really quickly about whenever that happens, whenever we set our eyes on him, we become really more aware of his presence. What happens in our life? I'm going to give you five things, and then we're going to practice something. So I'm going to go through the five things fast. Are you ready? Are you ready to practice something? Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. It's amazing. Y'all are, are down for whatever this morning, huh? All right, the first thing that happens is we begin to view life from a different perspective. So whenever I begin, whenever I set my eyes on the visible one, then I begin to view life completely different. And so there's a way that you can look at life and your business 
and the way you are, what kind of a father you are, what kind of a mother, what kind of marriage you could have, the relationships, your job. There's a way that you can look at it through all of your handicaps, all of your shortcomings, all of the things that you're not good at. All of, what about all of your mess-ups? Well, I've never been able to do that in the past, so it's really easy to see. Well, whenever you begin to set your eyes on the invisible one, now all of a sudden all of my mess-ups and my handicaps, they mean absolutely nothing. Because if God can part a sea and lead all of those people that were in slavery out of it, then my shortcomings have nothing to do with what he can do in the future and the unknown. Absolutely nothing. So now I'm not hindered by my own shortcomings. I begin to view life from a completely different perspective. Number two. Um, obedience becomes more desirable than worldly pleasure. You know, oftentimes I talk to people <clears throat> and they feel so bad because of the sin in their life. And it is such a dom- it's a dominating factor why a lot of people don't get plugged into church. Because of the sin in their life and the struggle that they have, they feel like that, that, that it keeps them from being able to do what God wants them to do. What if I told you that the more you get into this word... And the more you fall in love with who he is, the easier it is and the less appeal that sin has. That there is a drive that the enemy wants that is so appealing. But the more that you fall in love with who he is and you experience his love back, it's like there's a a draw up. There's a draw to him and who he is and his ways. And now the things that you struggled with before become way less of a struggle. Because now, now all of a sudden for someone, and you say, I just lose my temper. I have this emotional block and I can't connect. Well, now all of a sudden, the more you focus on him, now the more tender you find yourself, the more patient you find yourself, the more caring and understanding, the more other people are drawn to you because your eyes are set on on those things and not things of worldly pleasure. Number three is we begin to see things the way that they really are. You know, it's really easy to be discouraged when you look at the news and you look at that kind of stuff. But whenever you begin to see thing, the way that things really are is when things become way less weighted and way less heavy. You know, I can't imagine people, will, it's, it's easy if people want to judge and condemn and shame the way that you stand on God's word. But here's what's happened. If this is my truth and this, this is my focus and I'm doing what I know he's called me to do, here, beg the question this. What, what do people, people have asked, how does it make you feel when people leave the church, and they don't like you as a pastor. That's not, I'm, my eyes aren't set on that. My eyes are set on what he has called me to do, and my eyes are set on the invisible one. Do you know that the people that Moses delivered from slavery, he stood in front of the Red Sea, God parted it, and he delivered them out of captivity. Do you know they complained and mumbled, and they were angry at him? How did he keep going then? Well, he set his eyes on the invisible one. So now, now all of a sudden, the, w- things the way they really are becomes reality. It doesn't matter how people feel, but the way that things really are, are truth. We begin to place, number four, we place the eternal over temporal. Um, whenever you begin to realize that things in this world will pass away, like everything that we have, now all of a sudden, my burdens are different. I'm not as burdened for what I have or what I don't have. What I'm burdened for is, do my children know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, have my children, do they know that this is the God of their life? I mean, sure they want a pair of Lululemon leggings for Christmas, right? But the truth is, I won't be here one day, and their dad won't be here one day, and they are going to face the unknown. 
And so the most important thing that I can give them are not worldly possessions and not temporary. It is things that are of the eternal. Does my, do my children know beyond a shadow of a doubt who this God is? Do my children know that with this God you can slay giants? Do my children know that with this you can be healed? Do my children know what, where faith can get you? Do my children know that death, hell, and the grave was conquered? And they have those. So all of a sudden now, when my eyes are fixed on the invisible one, the way that Moses had them, now all of a sudden this stuff, temporal stuff, is not near as important as eternal stuff. And, and so then the way you do life is different. The way that you put yourself, people that you put yourself around, where you spend your time, where you spend your money is because I am invested in something. I mean, I feel like right now we are all invested. I think we can all say we're totally invested in those 400 people in Ishkalak. I can't get it off my mind. Like how many people are sitting down there that have no idea who this God is? Like what if this is their week? What if this is their week that all of a sudden they're facing giants or what are they facing? And now some, somebody gets to tell them. I mean, that's where all of a sudden now things that are temporal become way less important and things that are eternal become the priority. Number five is criticism and misunderstanding have way less impact on us. Um, I remember whenever I was in college, our I was at Charleston Southern, and our professor of religion was doing a debate downtown with the professor of religion at College of Charleston. And the professor of religion at College of Charleston was an atheist, which I know was kind of odd to me, but I guess that means he's fair to all the religions, I guess. So um, we, a ton of us went downtown. They had a ton of students. It was a ton, ton of people. We went, and my professor um, destroyed I mean, it was, he did an impeccable job. And what was fun about that was I had a lot of students that we were at Charleston Southern with that didn't believe. Just because they were at Charleston Southern definitely didn't mean they believed. And I, a lot of them ended up giving their life to Christ because of that debate. Um, but all of a sudden, what I do realize is that is more and more where the world is going, is the debate and the argument for the non-existence of who he is. But when you have fixed your eyes on him, when you have gotten into his word and you have reflected all of the things in your life that he did, now all of a sudden it doesn't matter what people say because nobody can take away your experience. And so now I have experienced who he is that is unshakable. It, it, is, it doesn't matter what you put in front of me. This God is so real to me. Who he, what he's done and who he is and the power that he has that's my reality, and I have to keep my eyes focused on that. And that is how you face the unknown. That's how you face any circumstance in your life. The good, the bad, the ugly, that's your answer. And so what I want to do is I thought that it would be fun this morning. I feel like that music and worship, God was very interesting. The way he designed that is that we're, that we're made to worship him, but when we worship him, something happens to us on the inside. And I think a lot of people don't engage with worship because I don't think they know, I don't think they understand. And I think it's something that can make a lot of people feel uncomfortable. And that's totally understandable. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to kind of disarm you. And I want to believe that you're going to have an experience. You can stay right in your seat so you don't have to get up and run out. It's not, it's not going to be like that experience. Um, but I feel like that whenever we take worship, 
one of the things that we were made to do, and we combined it with the stories of the Bible. And now we don't just worship and sing songs, but now we worship out of a story or a personal memory that refocuses our eyes on the invisible one. Do you feel like that music can take you somewhere just like that? Like I remember when my, my mom and dad were young, I can hear a song and I can see them dancing in the kitchen. As soon as I know what song it is, I can see it. It takes me right back there. I feel like I've got a song. I'm, I'm not going to play it, but that if I don't feel like working out, it'll get me to the gym. You know what I mean? It's that like, let's go, let's go. Like, and then I can work the treadmill once that comes on. And then I feel like that there are songs that you listen to and you're immediately out on the boat. Like you immediately hear a song and you can smell the sunscreen, tan lines, there you are. I have a fond memory of being in high school and I was driving through the Northwoods Mall parking lot and a police officer pulled me over and I said, for what? Like what? And he's like, you're getting a ticket because your music is too loud. It was Destiny's Child, say my name, say, you know. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. I mean, I didn't, there was like 15 cars in the parking lot with sound systems and bass. And I just had the standard. And I was like, this has got to, but I can, that song, I can hear Destiny's Child say my name. And I'm immediately there in the Northwest parking lot pulled over by the police officer. I, I, um, so what I want to do is I thought that it would be fun. Those are playlists. There's workout playlists. There's boat playlists. If I'm going to have a romantic night with Luke, I've got a whole playlist, right? So what I thought would be neat is what if we took the next few moments and we took four or five songs, not, not the whole part of them, but what if we took those songs and what if we built a playlist? So you can build this on your phone or you can write it down and add it later. What if we built a playlist and there was times when you got to in your life and you said, this feels unknown, this feels uncertain. I need something to help me refocus my eyes on the invisible one. God, would you remind me of the stories in your word? Would you remind me of the stories in my life? So we'll start building the playlist. And then from there, what I want you to do is for the rest of the year, when you go through an experience or when you read a story, then you add to this playlist. And this playlist becomes personalized. And now all of a sudden, you, it's a playlist that pulls back the memories and you look through the uncertainty and you look through the unknown through that lens instead of through our own lens. So can we just talk through some of these songs really quick and do that? Is that a deal? Uh, you can stay seated. You can stand up and worship. You don't feel obligated to do either one. You can just let them sing and you can just have a moment with the Lord um, through each one of them. The first one, the first song, that I want to talk to you about is called The Goodness of God. First song on our playlist. Psalms 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Um, God's goodness, he's so good. And when you, when you read about someone like the woman who was bleeding and had been bleeding for 12 years and she was embarrassed and she was ashamed and Jesus is walking through the village and and she thinks to herself, maybe this could be the answer to my brokenness. Maybe this could be the answer to the place that I bleed in my life. And so she reaches out and she touches Jesus thinking that nobody, that he's not going to know, nobody will see it and he stops and he recognizes her and she's healed because he's, because he's so good. Because in a crowd of people, your bleeding matters to him. The goodness of, of God, there's been several stories, two particular, that come to mind. And um, 
I remember when my, my mom and dad, I had a really good family friend, and his name was Stan, and he passed away. And when Reba was on her way, who was his wife, was on her way home, and she couldn't get in touch with them, uh, she had us play this, this song at his funeral, and she said, because I was on my way home, and I knew something was wrong because I couldn't get him. And she said, but that song was on the radio. And she said, and it was almost like God knew what was coming, and his goodness was already ministering to me on the way home. Because he's just that good. He's that good that he, it's not that we don't face brokenness. It's not that we, we will face uncertainty, but his goodness will meet you there 100% of the time. And then last week we were doing morning prayer. And a lady, Janine Coster, came up to me. And she said, Megan, that song, the goodness of God, we played this morning. She said, I couldn't stop crying. And she said, this week it's been 14 years since I've lost my husband. And she said, and when that song was playing, I I was crying and crying. And she said, and I wasn't crying because I was sad. She said, I was crying because I was overwhelmed over the last 14 years how good he's been to me. How he's taking care of me and in my loneliest times and my most broken times and the times that I didn't think I could make it another day, how his goodness touched me in those moments. And what's so interesting is I recently this week saw that song, that first line when it says, um, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been good. I saw it. It was a wedding. And the bride, the doors open, and there that song is playing. It's here she comes to meet her husband. And I, only this God... Only this God, his goodness could span from that woman walking down the aisle to the broken woman longing for her husband. That's how good he is. So our first song on the playlist is, would you just take a few moments as we worship and just ask God, God, would you you remind me of how good you've been to me? Would you set my eyes off of this plane, off of all the mess ups I've had and things that didn't go right? And can I just take a moment and thank you, God, for being so good to me? Let's worship. Um, the next song that I want you to put on your playlist, you can sit or stand or sit, just, I don't want to lose a moment, but the next song I want you to put on your playlist is two songs. We're going to do Same God, and then we're going to do Promises. And um, what I think that we have to keep in mind constantly reminding ourselves is that that same God back then, the same God is the same God today, and his powers that were then are still at work today. I remember whenever uh, Kinley was three, our now 13-year-old was three, and I remember when we went to uh, MUSC and they found three brain bleeds with Kinley, and they transferred us to Boston's Children's Hospital, and I remember going, and I remember telling God, me and Luke were praying, and we're praying over her in the hospital in Boston. And I remember telling God, God, I need you to be the same God. I need you to be the same God that went with David when he stood before that giant. And I need you to be the same God that split that sea. And I need you to be the same God that freed every one of those slaves. And I need you to be the same God when you walked up to someone that had leprosy and they were healed. I need the same God for Kenley. I need you to be that. And... We, went, we, we met the neurosurgeon the next day, and he said, well, she doesn't have three brain bleeds. She has six. And he said, but after all of our testing, none of them are active. They're old bleeds. We don't say anything concerning. We'll just track her every six months for the next two years, and I think you'll have no issue here. And, 
And it's one of those life stones that I say you have to go back to. I have to go back to and fix my eyes on the invisible one. The second song that we're going to do is Promises, and it says this in 1 Peter. It says, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises to enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. When is, this is what I want you to do during this next worship moment. I want you to tell him, what, what do you need him to be the same God for? What do you need? And then I want you to ask him, God, what promises do you have for me? What are, my pro- what are my promises in my 40s? What are my promises in my 50s and my 60s? Because your word says that you have given us great and precious promises. And I want to know your promises. I want to see your promises. I want my children. I want to know the promises you have for them. So in this next few moments, would you just seek and ask the Lord, Father God, would you show me your promises? Would you be the same God that was back then, Lord? And in their life, and in David's life, and in Moses' life, and in Jacob's life, would you be the same God? Would you show up with the same strength? And would you reveal all of your precious promises to me? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is the last one, then I'm going to let you go. But before I do, this is what I want to talk to you about really quick. Genesis 3, when I was told you earlier that I was reading, you can sit down if it makes you feel better. You don't have to, but Genesis 3, when I was reading at the beginning of 21 days and I told you how faithful God was to show up when I got in his word. I was reading Genesis 3 and it said this, the serpent, Adam and Eve are in the garden and it says this, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the animals. This is when the enemy shows up and tempts Adam and Eve. I was reading that this week and I felt like the Lord told me like that word shrewdest stood out to me. And so I, I started researching that word and that word shrewdest, when you talk about it, he was manipulative and deceitful and he was a liar. But when you uncover that word shrewd, also in the description of it is he's brilliant. And so when the enemy comes after you, he comes with a brilliant, masterful plan. And so, but what I love is when you keep reading and what this whole thing is about is immediately when that happened. And immediately when Adam and Eve fell, then God Almighty set forth a plan. A plan to send his only son to rescue all the mistakes that we had made. And so he was going to take his son and send him to earth behind enemy lines on a covert mission to rescue and to make right all of the screw-ups that you and I have. Every single one of them. And so although the plans that the enemy might have been in your life quite masterful, And there might have been areas that it feels like he's really taken a foothold. I'm here to tell you that the God Almighty's plan is so much more powerful than the shrewdest of all the enemies. And Romans 16, 20, it says this, that the God of peace will soon come and crush Satan under your feet. Some of you in this room need to know, and the last song that we're going to do is that he is more than able. And my goal for all of these songs is it it just gives you a reference point to go back to. That when you feel down and you feel like the unknown feels bigger or you have questions or you just need to touch God's presence, that it will give you a starting point of being able to look up and see the invisible one. And some of you in this room, I couldn't help but to think, you know, Luke and Dave have gone all the way to Ishkalak and... And this is the message that they're going to tell them is although there's been an enemy, there also was someone that you don't have to try to do all of the things in life on your own. And so I just felt like maybe there was somebody sitting right in this room that maybe you would say, all of this that you've talked about, I think I need, I've tried on my own and I would really like to give God a shot. I would really like to let Jesus 
take the reins in my life. And so before we talk, before we sing more than able and, and celebrate how willing God is, and he's not just willing, but that he's able, would everybody just bow their head and close your eyes? And even if there's just one person in this room, if you're in this room, I want you to know how precious God was in preparing this message for you today that he was so clear that somebody in here needed to know that the goodness of God has been running after you and that he has promises for your life and that he is the same God and that although the enemy's plan for your life has been quite deceitful and manipulative and has felt quite weighty and overwhelming at times there is nothing too big for him there is nothing bigger than how able your God is and so if you're in the room and you would say, I'm not going to have, nobody's going to look around. No, nobody will open their eyes. It is just me and you and God. Or if this is you online as well. And you would say, Mac, I would really like to give my life to Jesus. And I would really like for him to come and do all the things that you've talked about. And I would like to take my eyes and instead of keeping them fixed and focused on doing life, I would really like to move my eyes to the invisible one. If that's you, just right where you are, would you just lift your hand high enough that just I can see it? Just, just me and you right there in the back. Two of y'all. Three, four, five, six, seven, the balcony, eight. You can put nine wherever you are. I see you. You can put your hands down. I want you just to know something. If that was you and you just raised your hand, keep your eyes closed. If that was you and you raised your hand, I want you to get a visual because the Bible says that right now in heaven there's a celebration. Because from the moment you were born, God has been longing for you. He has been knocking on your heart's door. And we're going to say a prayer as a whole congregation, but this is your prayer. And this is the moment that all that I've talked about becomes personal in your life. And this is the prayer that because you pray, this God of the Bible will become your father. And you will spend eternity in heaven with him. So if that was you, and this is your prayer, but everybody, if you would repeat after me, Father God, would you come into my heart? Would you forgive me? Would you clean up my mess? Would you fix my eyes on you? Would you forgive me? I want to spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ooh, okay. Let's worship one more. Hey, let's worship around this. Last song. He is more than able. So I don't know what shrewd plan the enemy has had for your life. I don't know what struggles and addictions. I don't know what insecurities. I don't know if it's anxiety or depression. I don't know if you feel like your marriage is a whole wreck. But I'm going to tell you, the plan that the enemy has had, God is bigger. He is more and he is able. And all he needs is your faith to do miracle working things in your life. So let's worship one last song. Woo! Okay. I bless you. I bless you as you go. I bless you to know him. I bless you to know who he is so that no matter the circumstance, no matter the phone call you make to God, you fully are aware of the character of the man that is going to show up. You are fully aware of how capable and how knowledge and how willing and how able your God is. And you can stand strong and you can look at the invisible one and hell can fall down all around you. But the enemy cannot 
fix your eyes on anything other than God Almighty. I pray that you know him. Know him and tell him to your children. And then I pray that you begin to tell stories of his goodness and his greatness. And you build a playlist for facing the unknown that will reach people all around you. That you will be so overflowing with the things God has done in your life. That you will become a contagious force in this earth. I bless you for your eyes to be on the invisible one. We would love to see you guys Wednesday night. We have worship night right here in the room. We'll do this for about an hour, hour and a half at uh, 7 o'clock on Wednesday. May the Lord bless you and keep you with a fabulous week. Y'all, we had three salvations online. That's amazing. That's amazing. Lord bless you guys. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.